building and learning and growing in public is what keeps the audience that I have around because I think everything can tie back to that. Like I never ever make a claim that I'm an expert in literally anything. I barely know how to do anything, but I'm willing to like learn and fail and try stuff and grow and share lessons of wins and losses with people in hopes that it helps somebody else. Welcome to Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their career through a strong personal brand. Rep Your Brand is hosted by Nick Bennett, one of LinkedIn's top voices on field marketing and personal branding. In each episode, Nick captures stories on how to overcome the challenges marketers face with growing their brand. So if you're a marketer looking to open doors and create opportunities that you never thought were possible, then listen in to get tangible tips and strategies to build your very own personal brand. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rep Your Brand, a podcast for B2B marketers who are looking to build their careers through a strong personal brand. I'm Nick Bennett. This podcast is brought to you by my friends at Motion. They're a done-for-you podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams in B2B tech. They're two of the nicest guys around, and the work that they do is truly world-class. You can find them at motionagency.io. And today, I'm super pumped because this is someone that I've followed for a while. She's absolutely blown up lately, and I'm super excited to announce Zoe Hartsfield. She's the the community architect at Speckit. She is an amazing LinkedIn content creator. She's a strong advocate of brand building and career development. Zoe, thank you so much for joining me. Nick, thanks. I'm a fan of yours as well, just so that's stated. (laughs) Appreciate that. Well, let's kind of get into it. A lot of people know who you are. You know, we were talking right before this about your LinkedIn journey and how you kind of jumped back in and you've been on fire lately with your LinkedIn content. Like everything is so, I say, I don't want to say like, you're not afraid to go places where some other people are afraid to go to. And so like, why do you think your LinkedIn content has been like absolutely crushing it lately? I have a theory and like, not that I want to commoditize vulnerability, but I think there is an appetite for more honesty and vulnerability and transparency on social media platforms. Like we've spent two years remote or a lot of us have, and we're a little bit isolated. There is just a desire for community and connection. And so I think even though sometimes it's scary for me by posting something a little bit more open and honest than maybe previously was seen on LinkedIn. It was like terrifying in the beginning, but I've seen such a positive response of people being like, I feel that way too. Or like, I can relate to this and never in a way that's like bashing people. Like I'm not out here to like uncover the dark side of tech. Like I don't care about that, but really just open up the door to like the human experience that I have as somebody working in tech. And it's just been met with such a positive response that I keep doing it because it's my hope that people feel less alone in their experience by me sharing mine. Yeah, I, I love that. And so I'm curious, like, what prompted you to be so candid? Like, I personally love it because I think there's so much fluffy stuff, like, uh, especially, you know, you have people that are posting stuff to, like, self-monetize, which I get, you know, people are running businesses and all that. But like, being authentic and candid is something that I feel like you've done so well at, like, what prompted you? Did you have that mindset going into it? No. Like when I first started posting, I I didn't necessarily. Although I will say when I was in SDR, the first post that I ever wrote that really popped off and what made me like get hooked on LinkedIn early days was I talked about an experience I had at a conference where a VP 
was like talking down to me and like calling me sweetheart and these pet names at the booth. And it like weirded me out. And so I wrote an open letter anonymously to this VP. And that got like back when I was an SDR and had like 2000 connections, it probably got, I don't know, like 150,000 views and like 500 reactions and stuff. And I was like, whoa, like people care about these types of stories. And the comment section where people were like, I have had the same experience. Thank you for calling it out. And I wasn't like ripping him to pieces. I wasn't, I didn't use any names. It was just like, Hey, here's why it made me feel bad. And here's how you could have reframed it in the future. So always coming from an angle of, does this help someone else be better at their job or life? Does it make somebody feel something? That is my barometer for whether or not I hit send. And that's just like really what's been changing for me over the past even like several months is am I being helpful? Am I making people feel something? And if the answer is yes to either one of those questions, then I will post it. I love that. That's I mean, that's the way that it should be. And I feel like you truly express like the perfect blend of strategies and also the importance of having intangible assets like confidence, good mental health in your posts. And it's something you don't come across a, like a, a lot. Some people, they don't like to talk about these things. And I feel like one of your, your latest LinkedIn posts reflected on the importance of being confident. And so I'm curious, how does confidence inspire people to create their own legacy in your mind? Mm, yeah, I think like being somebody who didn't grow up with any confidence and being somebody who I would not self-describe myself as confident even now, but I'm more confident than I was maybe a year and a half ago. I think that choosing into confidence, my friend Blake always says like, choose confidence today. I love that. But choosing into confidence, even when you're feeling insecure, even when you're not feeling confident, helps you build confidence. And I think when you have an, a level of confidence and not to be mistaken for like cockiness or like huge ego or like I'm the best there ever was because I definitely don't think that. I think I'm a loser. But when I choose to be confident, I think it kind of like turns up your microphone a little bit. People hear you a little bit clearer. It's just kind of like a, a volume agent, I would say. And it helps with your tone. It helps with the way that you come across. And so... I think in, in terms of people building their legacy, if I always, always, always posted from a place of insecurity, at some point people would get tired of that. And there would be not a lot of authority behind what I say. And while I often question whether or not I have the authority to talk about any of the things that I talk about, when I choose to be confident and post anyway, and come from a place of, I hope this helps somebody. I hope this makes somebody better at what they do. I hope this makes somebody feel something like I think it just lands better. And you can feel that through, like, I write the same way that I talk. I don't know if you can tell that from this conversation right now, but like, I really don't alter myself to sound like more professional than I, I really am. And I think that also helps like when you just write the same way that you would speak to somebody that translates through. And I think that people remember that. And that's what helps build your legacy. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That was something that I always wanted to when I start, like in March, it'll be two years for me for, from posting. And it's like one of the things like I don't, I want to provide value. And I also don't want to be seen as someone that I'm not. So like if you were to meet me and we were to get together, like have a call like this, like I want to come across as the same person as I would in the post. Because I do see, and it's very, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, because it's very easy. I've seen people that post content on LinkedIn 
And like, you kind of like, they're talking about this. Are they doing it just for the likes at the end of the day? Or is this really what they care about? And I feel like you can see through inauthentic people. And I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a pretty good like BS detector as a person. And usually, yeah, you're right. Like you can tell when people don't sound like themselves, especially when you know them in real life. Like I have a handful of people in my corner who like I absolutely love as human beings. They have value to bring to this platform. And every so often when they post, I'm like, you don't talk like that. Like you have so much value to bring. Just like talk like you normally talk and it would land just as well. Like sometimes I think people get in their own heads and they feel like there's a way they're supposed to write. Like I don't think it's coming from a place of like, oh, I want to fool everybody. I think it's this false, like idea that like I have to write more professionally or I have to be like a thought leader and I need to write like one and I wish I could just like grab those people by the shoulders and be like no like we want to hear from you we want to hear from you the VP of sales at ABC company we want to hear from you the consultant we want to hear from you the SDR like not this version of yourself you think everybody wants to hear from and so you can definitely tell when people do it. I also know people who do it and I, I believe that's not their intention. They just kind of think they're supposed to write like that. And so if anybody's listening to this and you feel that pressure, know that I don't want to hear from like the persona thought leader inside of your head. I just want to hear from like you, the person. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. So true. So I want to like, I feel like I want to talk about the content that you create. So I feel like you've upped the number of times that you post. And I'm more just curious because I'm also, I was posting once a day. I've moved to to twice a day, just seeing if it really like makes a difference. And plus I'm trying to add like a, like a personal type thing and then like a professional type post, but I don't prescript any of my stuff. And I'm curious, like, how do you have your flow from content? Like, do you write ideas down? Do you document it anywhere? because everyone's different. And so like, I'm just always so curious on how people determine what content they'll post. Totally. So early days, I was writing ideas down as they came to me in a Google doc, because some days I would have five ideas and some days I would have zero. And I wanted to have like a bank to pull from. But I think like anything, creating content is a muscle and you can develop it. And now I have gotten to the point where I wake up at 6 a.m., And I open up my phone and I write a post and I just come up with it on the spot. If I get extra ideas throughout the day, sometimes I will post it, sometimes I will bank it. But it just kind of depends on like how far apart it was or, you know, if there's like a need. Like the other day, I had a friend in my network who really needs an enablement person. Like they just like they're desperate for an enablement person. So I was like, well, I already posted today, but like, why not write again? Can I connect this person to someone? And that doesn't bother me. I try not to go more than three times a day. I have posted like four times a day before, once or twice, just to like test the algorithm. I'm always testing the algorithm a little bit. But I don't have like a a formula of like, I'm going to post twice a day. I'm going to post once a day. I'm going to post every day. Sometimes I skip Sundays. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I post it like 10 p.m. at night. It just sort of depends when the thoughts come to me. But what I would say is I definitely wake up in the morning every day and I write a post in that moment, unless I happen to have some idea that I think would be best posted at 6am on a Tuesday, like, and I had a bank. Otherwise, it's usually like off the cuff when it comes to me. 
Yeah, I love that. That's definitely, I feel like it's definitely more my style too. And so, I mean, we're both community people. I feel like when it comes to marketers, having a community is your biggest advantage of all. And so I treat LinkedIn as a community. I'm, I'm curious, do you treat like, because everyone views community a little bit differently. And I've talked to a lot of community people recently, just because it's part of my job. And like, all of them have different ideas of a community, but like I treat LinkedIn as a community. So I'm curious, like, do you also view LinkedIn as a community? I think there's a section of my LinkedIn connections that are my community. And I think there is a section that is audience. Like I think, and I'm sure you would agree with this. Like there are people you regularly interact with who are chiming in on your content. You're participating on theirs. They're not just lurking in the shadows. And honestly, I would say nine times out of 10, there's definitely people who like hit me up with really obscure requests when we've never, ever spoken before. I've never seen them comment or like, I've just like, don't recognize them whatsoever. And they'll shoot me like, do you have an hour and a half to like talk about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't even have an hour to have to like hang out with my husband at the end of the day. Like, no, but if you want 15 minutes, like I am always happy to give people 15 minutes versus the people who are like regularly conversing or hitting me up or I'm reaching out to them. Like there's something very conversational. I mean, even you and me, you know, like I would consider you a part of my community, even though we've only had a handful of conversations because we like interact on one another's content. We run in similar circles. If you ask me for a favor, I'm going to help you out. And I would believe that you would do the same thing for people like that in your community. And so I think there's a section of LinkedIn that definitely functions like community, but I would not mistake my entire network as community. I think it's kind of a split between like community and audience. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking more, how do community and audience building go together? So like, I feel like your mindset is very similar in kind of that regard, but not a lot of people think of it that way. So it's always refreshing to talk to someone that does. So thank you. Do you think like, would you prefer, or maybe it's not that black and white, but like, would you rather have a big audience or a big community? I'd rather have like an engaged like community of people. Like I don't yeah. care how many followers. Cause I was talking to a few people about this recently and they're like, don't you want to have the amount of followers that like a Chris Walker or Justin Welsh has? I was like, I will never be like them. Like I will never get the engagement that they do. And I'm okay with that. Like at the end of the day, if I can hit that consistency of like, I know that I'm going to post and I'm going to get 60 to 70 people that that comment on each post, like that's good enough for me. I'm not here to try to get to 100,000 followers or cheat my way to get to like all these followers. I just want to have an engaged like tribe that kind of runs with me and is like-minded at the end of the day. Like I value that way more than just having all these followers that probably don't even engage with you at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I've seen creators who like they create decent content for sure. And they've got over 100,000 connections, but their posts will get 20, 70, 90 interactions or engagements on it. And I'm like, how does that happen? You have so many people following your content. And so I, I agree, like I would rather have a smaller, more engaged community than like just an enormous dormant audience. Yep. Yeah. Agreed with you for sure. So I want to kind of get into like some struggles and wins piece. And so in my mind, you are one of the top creators out there. And so being, we talked about being authentic and I think being authentic is key. It's honestly, I would say probably my top thing that I care about. My question is like, what do you believe brings people together 
and foster community development from creating content on LinkedIn? I think community on a whole is people coming together to rally around like a problem, a shared belief or a sense of belonging. Like I think you need one or all three of those things in order to have a sense of community. So one of the easiest ways to find your people is when you raise your hand and you say, I'm having a hard time with this. I feel like I might be alone. Am I alone? And other people are like, oh my God, I've been thinking the same thing for months. Like, what are you talking about? You know, so I think when you have that vulnerability and that authenticity piece, your tribe kind of reveals itself because there's all these other people who are like, I've been feeling like that forever. And I, I kind of thought I was the only one. So forming community for me and creating content is about that helpfulness piece. Like, can I help somebody today? And I kind of just love that. Like I'm addicted to the connection and the engagement. Don't get me wrong. I'm an approval gremlin at the end of the day. I love seeing the like, like hundreds of likes. It makes me feel good about myself. And I wish I was above that, but I'm not. (laughs) But the real joy of having a network is like when I get to write a post about my friend who's an AE looking for a job and he now has 25 interviews lined up after a week. Like that feels so good to me to be able to leverage the network that I've built to help people. And that's what I always want to be using it for. Like that's, I wrote a post the other day about like deposits. I was like, deposit, deposit, Mm. deposit, deposit, withdrawal, deposit, deposit, deposit. And I think the reason the withdrawals work and like are so beneficial and like effective for me is because I spend more of my time making those deposits. And like, I always want to do that because it makes me feel good. Like selfishly doing nice things for other people makes me feel good about myself. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to be honest about that and to like lean into that because as long as we're putting good into the world, like it's all good. I agree with you for sure. And so like, I mean, I'm very similar. And so like I've given everything away for the last little over a year and a half. And like, I never asked for anything. I took calls from people that were like, Hey, can I pick your brain? They ghosted me. I still reach back out to them, say like, Hey, looks like you couldn't make it. And that's probably on me for like, you know, if they ghosted me one or two times, I probably shouldn't have reached out, but I'm a people pleaser at the end of the day. And I like to make an effort, but I was given, 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 given. And then I finally got to the point where I created my first kind of like digital asset that actually like cost money. And so I was amazed at like how many people were willing to then give to me and like give back. Be like, we just want to support you as a content creator, like for everything that you've done for the last year and a half. So I definitely love everything about that. Now, I'm curious. So this let's go into like must have assets for content creation and brand building. Because for me, I would say 90% of what I post is text only posts. I keep on telling myself I want to do video. And then like I, I record a video of myself and I'm like, oh, I look terrible. Like, will anyone actually care about this? But then I got the podcast, which also delivers the video aspect. Like what's your breakdown or like what are your must-have assets for content creation? Like do you only focus on text versus video or anything in between? I would, I would say I am 90% text posts for a couple different reasons. Number one, skimmability. Like so many people are on LinkedIn while they are also operating throughout their work day. Like 
let's be real, how many people have checked LinkedIn while they're in a team meeting or something like that? Like you're not going to hit play on a video. So I think there is a value to text posts. Also, if somebody scrolls past a text post, it counts as a view and then it's shared with their network. You have to be on a video for three seconds in order for it to count as a view, just like the way the algorithm works right now which is why views on videos are so terrible because they could see it for two seconds, whereas that would count as a view on a text post, wouldn't count as a view on a video. But what I will say is videos like per view get much higher engagement. Like if somebody's watching your video, like the comments to view ratio is way, way, way higher. And I also think there's value in mixing it up. So occasionally I'll do a video. I used to do a lot more video because I worked for a video email software company. So it made sense for me to record videos about video strategy. But now that I don't, I find text posts just to be like better for the end user experience. One thing I have noticed, and I was curious to get your take on this too, photos have been doing better for me than they have historically. Like historically photos have been terrible and just like they don't get great engagement. I haven't understood why. And recently I think I've posted three and they've been some of my top performing posts in the last like month and a half. So I don't know if they changed the algo or if they're testing something, uh, but I do try and mix it up. I haven't experimented with slides or anything like that. And I just, I can't bring myself to do a poll. I know that they get such great views, but I just can't do it. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like polls have definitely like decreased. And like, there's still a few people that I see posting polls and they get like a decent amount, but like, I feel like the amount of polls that I've seen has definitely decreased. I have seen more, like you said, pictures increase. And those have actually done pretty well for me. And what I'm seeing even more is people hand drawing stuff. So they'll hand draw something and then they'll talk about within the actual body of the post, what that hand drawing is. And those seem to be like blowing up. So I think you're definitely onto something. I've tried it. And I think the one hand drawn post that I did was a podcast that I was on. So I was like promoting it. So it didn't do great, but I don't know. I've definitely been the text piece is a big piece. Like I do promote the video from these podcasts and like I release every other Wednesday. So like that's something that I guess the video that I really focus on, I don't do anything really of myself. Sometimes I'll do something of like me and my daughter or something like that, but very, very rarely. So totally. I think kids and dogs are well favored in the algorithm. <laughs> Which like, I love seeing people's kids and dogs. I think that's one thing that has changed in the remote world. Speaking of which there is a, our neighbor has a bulldog and he's walking him by right now. I can see him out the window. But yeah, it's just like, I think with this shift to remote work, there is permission for people to come as their full selves to work. And like the amount of times a coworker will have like a kid pop into a Zoom meeting or like somebody's dog, like my dog will like hop up on my shoulder if I'm sitting on the couch like during a, a call or something like it's more acceptable. And so it feels more in line with like what people are up to these days. So when I see a dog on LinkedIn, I'm like, I immediately have to like that. Or when somebody posts a story about like their kid or something like I, I love that. And like, not the one where like your kid like presents a thesis to their kindergarten class and they like change the world in an afternoon, like these BS posts about I'm like, that was a fake conversation with your child, but like, okay. But like the ones where they're talking about like, hey, my kid asked me this question today and it sparked a really interesting conversation. And like, I then brought it to my team and we talked about it too. And like, I love those sort of bringing real life and work life together because those boundaries have been so blurred. It makes sense these days. 
Yeah, hundred hundred percent with you. You you kind of bring me to another question that I was just thinking of. Like, is there any boundaries, or should like because I feel like some people don't like to talk about failures or like things that you talk about, things that people wouldn't normally like talk about because they might feel like other people judge them or like why is she talking about this? Like, do you think there should be boundaries in what a person talks about? Because I can tell you, I don't think there should be boundaries. I think everyone is entitled to their voice, whatever they are passionate about or want to talk about, they should be able to talk about. I don't necessarily think there, there needs to be boundaries or like a LinkedIn content police about like, you can't talk about that. I do think you have to be willing to take like the responses when you are vulnerable. Now, I hope nobody is a douche in the comments. Like, I really, really hope that. But like, if I were to post every single day about like my mental health and somebody were to be like, hey, like, when are you going to start talking about like sales enablement or like personal brand again? Like, there is an element of like, it is still a business platform. Like, I think there needs to be some kind of balance, but it's up to you to determine what that balance is. Like, I probably post about mental health like 20% of the time. 10 to 20% of the time. And I try and keep everything else pretty, pretty like business related, but mental health is a part of how we show up to work. So it goes together. But yeah, to your point, no, I don't think there should be any like specific rules or boundaries, but you have to kind of like balance it out based on your audience and your goals. If you want people to follow you because all you talk about is mental health, then like that's the audience you're going to build. But I want people to connect with me because we can talk about marketing because we can talk about sales because we can talk about community. Like I have a lot of different things I want to discuss. And if I only leaned into one subject matter, it would change the demographic of my network. So I think it's not a matter of like, what's off limits, what's the community that you want to build. And then you walk in that direction. Yeah, it's so true because like for me, my original path was like field marketing because no one really talked about that. But like, I feel like you know, when I go on to like podcasts, a lot of people want to talk about like failed marketing, like the pandemic, all this stuff. But like I've kind of broadened like what I talk about now. Like I talk about, you know, field marketing, ABM, like personal branding stuff. But then I just talk about like general life advice or like marketing and stuff. And like you said, it's it's helped me kind of like niche down like where I wanted to be because that's my job at the end of the day, like what I do and I'm passionate about, but like, I still want to talk about all these other things. Like you mentioned, like community and like, there's so much more than just like that one narrow path. So I think that's important for people to definitely know for sure. So you mentioned that community has had the biggest role in making of your career. Like besides community, what other factors have kept you kind of going while you were grinding throughout your career coming up to where you are now? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest advantages in my career has been mentorship and been seeking out people outside of my current role, outside of my current org, even for like advice and growth. Like when I was an SDR, Patek Hawkins, who is, she's the head of L&D at Melio. She might have a VP title to be totally honest, but she's phenomenal. And she was mentoring me on like sales and like growing in like my leadership skills and things like that. And I loved and appreciated that. When I moved into marketing, JK Sparks, who is the head of growth at Hopin, became a mentor for me in some capacities of like how to grow in my marketing career. I'm currently actually looking for a a new mentor that kind of dabbles more in the community space, which has been like a fun process, reaching out to people and being like, hi, you don't know me and you don't owe me anything, but like, do you want to like maybe help me be better at my job? 
but I think it's, it's a humbling experience and it's also a really eye opening experience and incredibly helpful. Like, and people are so willing to give back. That's the thing that's been really impressive to me. It's like, people are so willing to say, yeah, I'll give you an hour of my time once a month to like pick my brain. Just your responsibility is to show up with good questions. And so I always try and come prepared to those conversations to learn and to grow and offer whatever I can to those people. But mentorship has been incredibly helpful courses like the internet is full of interesting information and courses some of them are paid some of them are free and i have tried my best to invest in those things as well as like networking opportunities and existing communities i think communities are really helpful in growing your career and your brand so yeah i would say mentorship courses and community would be like the three core things that have helped me get to where i am today the other thing i am looking into and really trying to invest in is like managing up and leveraging your manager and your manager's manager. So almost like skip level two, how do I grow? What do you need to see from me in order to be like the obvious choice for XYZ promotion? Well, like this is what I see as my biggest area of opportunity. Can you point me in the direction of some resources? Can we work on that together? Can you coach me? And just being vulnerable enough to say like, this is what I know that I don't know, but I want to get better. Like, will you help me? And that's scary sometimes. Like I've been intimidated by saying like, I'm not very good at this thing because you want to be good at everything. Like you want to pretend like, oh, I'm like, I'm a pro at all the stuff, but like, I'm not a pro at anything. I need help in all areas. And so if I can identify areas of opportunity, I don't want to call them areas of weakness because it just has such a negative connotation, but areas of growth opportunity, then I want to ask for help with those and, and develop those skills. And so those would be the things that I have done and continue to do to develop and, and grow my career. I love that. I want to kind of go back to that community aspect. So like, I'm curious, I've been in a lot of communities over the last couple of years, but like, where do you spend your time? Like what communities do you kind of hang out in? So the community that has been the most revelatory for my career has been Thursday night sales. And I only stumbled upon them like less than a year ago, but like Scott Lease, Amy Volas have been incredible friends to me and helped me in my career. They're, they're part of the reason I work at Speckit. I also would say Pavilion has been a really helpful community. Aaron Leader over there is just like a great human and the content that they're putting out is very solid. We just partnered with sales assembly and I'm so excited about that partnership. Like the content they're putting in out for sales enablement and just like rep enablement is phenomenal. I'm really excited. I just joined a community called Revenue Era. So really, really pumped to <laughs> hang out with that crew in the near future. But yeah, I would say like historically speaking, Thursday Night Sales has been the most pivotal for my career. Just like an opportunity to, to network with other sales, marketing and CS professionals to learn from people who've been in the game for a lot of years. And like, it's just a really tight knit community. So I could DM anyone in that Slack group today with a question. And I know that I would get response by the end of the day. I know that people would raise their hands and offer me their time and be helpful. And not just Scott and Amy, but Christine Rogers, Mike Hook, Wayne Morris. Like these are all people who I consider friends and mentors that I know they're like in my phone. I could text them right now. And I met them because they showed up to this community consistently. I love that. That's definitely amazing. So I know I've got a couple more questions for you before, before we go. So I want to kind of talk about who are people, and you mentioned this a little bit within the community aspect, but like who are two to three marketers or people that like you can, like, these are your go-to people to learn from every single day. 
Every single day. Okay, good question. So Kyle Lacey is <laughs> ah. just a phenomenal human. Love learning from him and just like watching his content and absorbing that. Nina Butler, shout out Alice. Mm. Just a gem of a human and love to learn from her. And actually, I know this is sort of a cheat, but our VP of marketing, James Winter, is honestly like one of the most intelligent, well-rounded B2B SaaS marketers and leaders in the game right now. And I didn't really know of him prior to Speckit, but lots of people who I trust in the space did. And they were like, oh man, like he's great. And I like, I understand why. And so I feel very lucky that I can just like DM him on Slack and ask questions and learn. But those three are top of mind for me right now. Honestly, great list right there. So I want to talk about like, how do you posting content? We were talking before this started, the amount of growth that you've had within you know a short period of time. And so how do you retain the audience you already have when it comes to building an audience? Because I feel like some people struggle there a little bit where like, they post, 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 they want to build, but they're not retaining because they try to like go down too many different paths of what they want to talk about. So I'm curious on like, how do you retain the audience you already have while building? So I think that's something I'm just now figuring out. I like selected five hashtags. And basically when I did that, I was like, these are the topics I'm committing to talking about. And I'm not really going to stray too far outside of these. And so people can show up to their feed and see a post from me and know that it's going to be in one of those realms of possibility. So sales development, sales enablement, career development, mental health, and personal brand. Those are like the five things that I talk about. And I think it's been tricky because before I was talking about like video strategy, and then I moved into like a revenue enablement tool. And so I was talking more to like sales reps. And then I moved into a sales enablement tool company. And so now I'm speaking about enablement and I'm learning a ton. So there's like value in learning out loud, but also I'm always staying on that like sales side of the house. Even though I'm a marketer, I still can speak to sales reps. I can speak to sales leaders, even if I'm not an expert in those things. And I think really just building and learning and growing in public is what keeps the audience that I have around because I think everything can tie back to that. Like, I never, ever make a claim that I'm an expert in literally anything. I barely know how to do anything, but I'm willing to like learn and fail and try stuff and grow and share lessons of wins and losses with people in hopes that it helps somebody else. And so I think by doing that, by picking five things that I pretty much always talk about and by keeping it pretty dialed in uh, to those, I've managed to maintain my audience, even though the companies I've worked for have been a little bit different. It all still kind of tracks back to that sales and like career development. I feel like I can always talk about those things. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. All right. So last question for you, what can we expect to see or from Zoe in 2022? Like what are your, your goals from like creating content? Do you have any, like, this is where I want to be at the end of 2022. And then the second piece of that is where can people go to connect with you, learn more about you, learn more about Speckit, like anything that you want to plug? Yeah. So this is like just a personal challenge metric. Like I don't have a good reason for why I want to do this, but I would love to be at 40K like connections by the end of the year, or at least 30K actual connections. I know that there's like a limit for connections, but that's where I want to be by the end of 2022. So I'm going to continue to post content probably daily. 
and hopefully learn and understand the algorithm, help other people with that. I would love to help a hundred people land new jobs, whether that be in tech or in like traversing from sales to marketing or like anyone where my history can help them. I want to do that. And so far the count is at like eight for this year. So we've got a long way to go, but that's one of my personal goals for the year. And then finally, I really just want to challenge myself in terms of like public speaking. So I have a couple opportunities to speak on panels, to speak at conferences, to like do like a demo jam and pitch our product. And that's like a little bit scary for me to go on stage and do that. But I really want to say yes to as many of those opportunities as come my way this year. So those are kind of the three top of mind things that you can be seeing from Zoe Hartsfield in 2022. Amazing. And then where can people go to learn more about Speckit? Or I assume, you know, LinkedIn is your, your jam. Like, is there any way should other people reach out to you any other way? LinkedIn DM is going to be the best way to get a hold of me. My DMs are a nightmare. And shout out LinkedIn if you ever want to update that UX UI. Like, I will help you in terms of focus group. So LinkedIn is going to be the best way to get a hold of me. Speckit, definitely check out our, our LinkedIn page or feel free to DM me directly. I'm happy to chat with you about what we do and what we're up to. A quick shameless plug, we are desperately in need of an ABM or demand gen manager and a senior product marketing manager. Those are the two roles that are like very, very high priority for us in the next couple of weeks. So if anybody's listening to this, that's you. DM me, happy to make an intro. But yeah, otherwise, like I am a pretty conversational person. If you reach out to me, I will try and respond, especially if you need something. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Zoe Hartsfield, and feel free to ask me any question about anything. I'll try and help you. Amazing. Zoe, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Rep Your Brand. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And if you learned something new today, it'd be great if you left us a review. We'll catch you next time.